A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good Monday to you, Amy. Hey, Cass. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited for today's episode. We've had today's episode on our, we want to schedule this and hook it up for probably, what do you reckon, a year or more? Yeah, well, we've been talking about, yes, it's been a long time and I've been talking to our guest, Sarah, for quite a while about coming on. So welcome, Sarah, finally. Thank you so much. I have been so excited about this because it has. I think we've been TikToking, emailing for about six months. Yes. And, and I think you first got in contact probably a little bit before that. But yeah, yes. it's been brewing for a while. Yes. And you're finally here. Thanks to ISO. Thank you, Yay! ISO. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about yourself, Sarah. Introduce well, yourself to our listeners. Okay. My name is Sarah Taylor. I am the builder of my own bus conversion and uh, currently I'm a tiny off-grid homesteader as well and intentional business coach. So uh, we are <laughs> in the middle of our renovation for our little shed off-grid. Uh, my bus is almost finished and I basically spent the last four or five years working towards um, living with more intention and helping other people do the same. Now, you have a bit of a funny accent. Can you tell oh, us yeah. about your accent? Yeah. <laughs> it says this. Um, it's kind of made up these days. Uh, I am originally Scottish, but I was born in Germany and started school in Hong Kong and traveled a lot as a kid. And uh, I spent last year in the U.S., and I've been 14 years in Australia. So it's Ow. just kind of, I've actually been out of the UK longer than in it now. So it's really hard to say where I'm from. I feel very international and yeah, so. You've got the accent of the people. <laughs> yeah, I'm hopefully just understood. I think that's when you have a Scottish accent or anything that's a little bit different. Um, and I have a lot of international friends who speak English as a second language. I think it just really was about being understood and being clear and so it sort of morphed into this you know if I have a few wines I sound more Scottish if I speak to my mum I sound a little bit more Scottish um, my in-laws are Welsh so I can sometimes be caught kind of picking up their twang a little bit as well so yeah 
I am like in love with watching Hinterland at the moment. Oh, on, it's on amazing. It is so good. Oh, oh okay. I'm it. writing it down. I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh, and also um, Shetland as well. Shetland, if you like Hinterland, yes. you like Shetland. Yeah. I know. I love Shetland. I've already done that. But oh. I've found Hinterland and it sounds like for all of those who are listening who haven't watched Hinterland, it's set in Wales and everybody but the very main character or a couple of characters are Welsh, so they've got that real fireman Sam yeah. accent. Awesome, yes. <laughs> beautiful. It's really good, ah, and the good, cinematography yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, like it's such beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Vera and Shetland. Like it's just beautiful. Ah, I, look, I'm just going to leave the podcast right now. <laughs> okay. And- <laughs> Get myself a cup of tea. I think there's some chocolate in the fridge. And I'm going to, should I watch Hinterland or Shetland first? Oh, we did Hinterland first, then Shetland. Okay. All right. I'm following your lead, Sarah. Awesome. (laughs) Might need subtitles on. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My husband found it hard um, watching Shetland. I had to sort of, um, yeah, tell them what they were saying some of the time. So. That's cool. <laughs> so tell us about your journey into tiny living. Yeah. So it started five years ago in August. Um, I sort of uh, lovingly refer to it as hitting bottom. I, I was literally at my most dire place um, after kind of four years of a really hard time. I had a back injury. Um, I'd lost several jobs. I'd been evicted. I was facing eviction again. Um, I, you know, left a significant relationship, just all of the things all piled into one. And I was just sobbing at my dining table one night after going to Centrelink and realizing that what they were going to give me wasn't going to cover my rent. And I just, I was 35 years ago, 35, 34, 35. And I, I just didn't know what I had left in me to give. I just really was so miserable and didn't understand why. Um, I was on a lot of medication for my back injury and, you know, self-medicating with wine. And I was just like a mess, a total mess. And, um, at that sort of lowest point, my dog needed a wee (laughs) and I was like, good on you. And I got up and I went and opened the back door to let her out and bus home just literally arrived in my consciousness. And to this day, I have, I no idea where it came from. I, rushed back to my laptop and googled bus home to see if it was a thing and I found a 1976 Leyland bus and and it was all kitted out and I was just like oh my god this this is it this is the answer this is the um so uh yeah I wrote a to-do list that night which was um (laughs) get any job uh, move to a house with a big enough driveway uh learn to drive because I couldn't uh learn to drive a bus buy and convert a bus and about 14 months later the bus was on my driveway and I had my driver's license so I'd moved house I I think two weeks later I got a job um two months later I'd saved up enough bond to move to a house with a big enough driveway um which I used to take like a measuring tape to the viewings (laughs) and if the driveway wasn't wide or big enough for a bus I didn't even go inside so there was many (laughs) many a funny sort of looks that I got from estate agents but um yeah and then and then you know the the two-week job turned into a permanent job turned into getting my driver's license turned into saving for my bus and um and that was really it that was the beginning of it I freaked out once it was on my driveway I think I freaked out for about three or four months didn't do anything 
just totally paralyzed with like, what have you done? <laughs> it's like you gave $4,000 to a man on the internet and he brought you a bus the next day. And uh, now what? I mean, I'd never picked up a hammer before. I'd never used a screwdriver. I was, you know, yeah, no skills. Amazing. So your bus is called Mrs. P. Yes. Do you want to it's introduce short... us to her? <laughs> yes. So Mrs. P is short for purpose um, because she really was what gave me purpose. Um, and from that sort of moment, sort of sobbing at my dining table, thinking really all I wanted to do was swallow a whole bunch of pills and go to sleep and not wake up. Um, I was searching for it. I would have searching for a meaningful way to make money. I was, you know, I was miserable in my day job. Um, I just had no sort of values or meaning or anything to my life. And, and she really was the birthplace of everything that's been good that's come since. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, she's sort of affectionately known as Mrs. P, <laughs> but her real name is Purpose. Did Mrs. P, um, look, I'm guessing her $4,000 Mrs. P did not come kitted <laughs> out like the one you saw when you first did that Google search. Yeah. What was she like in her raw form? Actually, remarkably really well taken care of, but she was empty. So um, she's a 1968 Bedford Comair. Um, so she's about nine, eight and a half, nine metres long. Um, and all the seats have been taken out and that was pretty much it. So I got her, um, you know, bare. Um, the good thing was though, that she was a school bus her entire career and, and only had two owners before me. So there was the school, uh, bus company that owned her. And then the, cu- the couple that I bought her from that had originally sort of planned to kit her out and they'd been on a few trips with her, but it wasn't, it was just like a mattress on the floor kind of job. And then grandkids came along for them. And so time was less and they downsized and, and the bus was one of the things to go. So, um, and this was also five years ago. So prices were really good then. I think it's become a lot more popular since. And so you're lucky if you get something that works, you know, under 10,000 these days. Mm. Um, but I wanted a completely raw shell. Like I felt like this was, I knew in my mind's eye what I wanted. I knew it was vintage. I knew the size. And, you know, I used to sit on my driveway in the evenings after work and just imagine her being there and imagine where I'd put things and I'd had cardboard boxes. And like, you know, I fully went into vision, visualizing stuff. Um, and, and as things arrived, I just made space for them. And, and it just all, I kind of rebuilt myself as I rebuilt her. It was this beautiful sort of spiritual project of mine. It wasn't just a bus. So it could be a movie made out of your journey. I hope so. That would be fun. (laughs) Absolutely does have to be. Who's (laughs) going to play you, Sarah? Oh, I don't know. It's going to be filmed in Wales. Let's just start there. (laughs) 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 You know, maybe this could, you know, Aussie. We could do Aussie too. No, no, yeah, let's do Aussie. Wales is a little bit too cold. (laughs) Mind you, so is Melbourne. Um, But yeah, yeah. So she was on my, my driveway in Melbourne for three years. And then, yeah, so slowly, slowly, I learned the skills. And then when I met my husband, who I never thought I'd meet anyone. So once the bus arrived, I thought, okay, you're going to be single. It's all good. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to find anyone that wants to live in a bus with you. Um, and so I just got on with it. And, and then when I met my husband, he was really interested in tiny living and had his own ideas about, you know, living more simply and all that sort of stuff. And, and um, yeah, it just kind of worked. Having said that, we will not be living on the bus time you know forever it is a little bit too small for us so so tell us about your journey since then where do you live now because you do not live in Melbourne anymore no no we live in Queensland now so um 
the sort of the dream as it evolved into what I now call intentional living. So my buses and any tiny house really is uh, one way in which intentional living can manifest. And, you know, there's everything from a capsule wardrobe to minimalism to, you know, there's a million ways it can show up. Um, once I realized that it was about something bigger than just physically how we lived, um, it shifted everything. And, and I, it finally made sense. All the pieces clicked together for me. So, you know, um, I wasn't just the bus lady. There was more that was going on that was bigger than that. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't really like the story of how we found this place was nuts. We were in the US. We'd been offered to stay there. Um, we went for six months. We did three months, then came home and got married and then went back for three months. And during our first three months, they offered us to stay. And we just knew instantly that wasn't where we wanted to be. We wanted to be back here in Australia. We wanted to live off grid. We wanted to be close to the beaches. And so we just started looking online and um, we bought this place two days before our wedding. Like we just bundled wow. our parents into a people carrier. We traveled around the area. Um, we made an offer. The next day it, it was accepted. The day after we got married, the following Monday, like three days later we signed. And then the next week we were back in the US. So it was just like, it just happened. You don't um, see things by halves, do you, Sarah? No. <laughs> <laughs> Never. But when you're in flow, I think it just you know, we, we both knew what we wanted. We both knew that we didn't, we wanted out of corporate. We wanted to make, um, we wanted to do something meaningful with our lives and, and build legacy over our lifetime. And that's really what it's been about for us. Um, living more intentionally, living more simply. Um, you know, I learned a lot about living in tiny spaces, like tiny, tiny spaces are not for me. Um, I also, only ever imagined myself in that dream in the beginning five years ago and so when it has another person in it it expands and physically has to expand as well um you know my husband's not a minimalist and neither should he need to be it's just you know so we accommodate one another in in our ways um he we share the same value of intentional living we share the same value of many many other things but the physical size of our space needs to be a bit bigger than a bus so and I learned that I needed a lot more space than I thought I did and a lot more time on my own than I thought I did so it will be nice having the bus here as my office and my personal space and then having our living space because we both work from home so you know yeah it's good it's really good it's just different you know I couldn't live in a 10 meter squared space a 10 meter by you know two meter space how long have you lived in it like has there been periods of bus living um, either on your own or with your partner? Not yet. So um, we, our plan last year, not last year, end of 2018, um, was to finish the bus conversion and then uh, drive it up to our wedding in Noosa in May. So we had like this six to eight month sort of window where we thought, right, we'll just get the bus finished, we'll get the mechanics done and then we'll go. And we got offered the adventure in America, but we had to be there two weeks later. So it was like, pack everything that we're going to need to finish the bus and all of the belongings into the bus, put her in storage, go to America. Um, then we came home and got married and went back to America. Then we came home and then uh, moved up here, set up this space over a couple of months. And then, of course, isolation happened. So um, we took the opportunity for that time for the bus to get to the mechanics. And now she's mechanically sound. Um, but we haven't been able to get her up here yet to finish her. So we've had a few camping nights, as in like on my driveway in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not had her maiden voyage or we haven't actually lived in it yet. So, um, oh, yeah. Cool. And the space we live here is eight meters by six meters. 
So, okay, so you're still very, yeah, very I'm, small in England. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was just about to say. You're still doing tiny living. Definitely. It's just not a bus anymore. Yeah, or a tiny house on, like, you know. Yeah. It's not mobile. Yeah. I mean, we'll build those structures on our property when, for when we run retreats and, and things like that. But, yeah, we're not um, – there's no – I think that there's a bit of a shame or shaming that goes on in tiny living. It's like if you can't get your entire life into this shoebox that you're not really a minimalist or you're not really living tiny right. And, you know, I moved into my living room in a two-bedroom house in Sunshine in Melbourne, and I lived tiny in philosophy and ethos and physical space – for almost the entire time, you know, before, before ever living in a real tiny house. So I think you can do it wherever you are. It's not just about the physical space. Yeah. So do you want to unpack that for us? You want to tell us more about that? Yeah. Look, I think it, and it kind of builds into the intentionality piece really. Um, It's, you know, you can have less stuff and you can have, you can use less space if you want to. Um, But it's much more about, for me, it was about what I brought into my house so nothing came into my house that I couldn't use, couldn't sell, or, you know, couldn't grow in some way. And the less you consume, the less space you need, you know, and you get to play with that. And you kind of decide there are things that are really important. And so you make space for them. Um, you know, it's not about having, getting a hundred items down to 80 items. It's about, mm-hmm. are those hundred items something that you absolutely love using and use all the time? You know, um, I'm never, I've never been a purist it's never, it's always been more of the philosophy side of things for me rather than an actual amount of, of items or um, yes. these very black and white rules. It's like, unless you're living this Insta-worthy life that you're not really succeeding at tiny living. And it's like, you bring your real life into a shoebox, you know? And it's, it's, yeah. And you still have to have a marriage that works and you still have to figure out how you parent and you still have to, like all of the usual things still have to happen in a tiny space. Uh, I have a girl crush on you, Sarah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's just like Kirsten and I, like everything we talk about with our community, with each other in our private moments is exactly the message that you're sharing. Yeah. It's such I'm a glad. alignment. I mean, this is the thing. You can live in a two-bedroom, five-bedroom house, whatever you want, like whatever you want. It's not about necessarily the size of your house. Tiny living, as in tiny houses, are one aspect but for me, tiny living is about, is about, you know, anti-consumerism and being conscious and looking after the planet and knowing where, you know, really understanding the supply chain of everything that you consume and buy and bring into your home and where it then go, like it's end of life, thinking about things at ends of life constantly. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we learned here being off grid is you, you just need to go outside and you impact the environment. So mm. it was sort of shed this light on being so much more responsible, you know, which we already were, but just everything, when you realize that your gray water ends up in your dam, you're very, very careful with what you put in there. Um, and, you know, we're much slower and much more intentional in our day to day now than we've ever been. Cool. Um, tell, us that, yeah. tell us more. <laughs> tell us more about what your ha- what, what living looks like for you yeah. guys up on the Sunshine Coast at the moment. Um, so I think living off grid and being completely um like there's no one to call if something goes wrong <laughs> you are entirely in charge of everything from your electricity to you know and there were meltdown moments the first six weeks were really tough we inherited half a system that didn't work and um you know i was showering in a bucket and you know it was just it wasn't even camping it was just really tough um 
but now with this like, sort of a rhythm that you get into, you know, there's little things that you, we don't want for anything here. We have enough electricity for everything that we want. We just use it slightly differently. So, mm. you know, we'll have the pump on for the showers and for filling up our water in the morning because we know we've got all day for the batteries to top back up. You know, if we're going to do any electrical stuff like hoovering or, I don't know, some kitchen appliances, it's usually done in the morning. Um, but mostly, yeah, I mean, we, we've just been living very in tune with nature um, and, and a lot more thoughtful about the products. I mean, I've always been using my own skincare products and, you know, made my own cleaning products, but that was sort of absolutely necessary here um, because <clears throat> everything goes back to earth, literally. There's no like fancy piping and, you know, a, a recycled water place in your city somewhere that you don't ever see doing it for you. So, yeah. It's been a learning curve. <laughs> it's been a real learning curve. And of course, the compost toilet. Oh. Tell us about the, I want to know about this compost toilet. Yeah. Cal and I dream of doing tiny living. And we've talked about putting tiny houses in our yard for our kids when they become young adults and we've, yeah. you know, all of things. But I cannot get my head around the compost toilet. Yeah. And look, these are things that I guess you can start before you live in a tiny space. There are lots of things you can start, right? You can start making your own skincare products or buy handmade. You can reduce your water consumption. You can... Um, you know, be careful what dishwashing liquid you use, like really think about the things that you consume, the how many times you leave the light on, all that stuff. Um, but the compost toilet took a while to get used to. It's still my least favorite part of <laughs> living this way, but it's one of the most beneficial. So in a year to a year and a half, we'll have this beautiful compost that we can use in our, you know, fruit trees and garden. And, and um, you know, once I've established our permaculture garden, it will just be absolute gold but it's not nice. <laughs> and, um, you know, but we use a, a mix of sawdust and uh, leaves, dry leaves from the property. And it's a bucket system at the moment. And we've sort of contemplated, do we, you know, um, separate solids from liquids? And we gave that a go and it just felt like a lot of extra work. And then, you know, it's just finding, finding what works for you. Um, my next big investment will be probably a nature's head toilet. Um, I sort of scoffed, oh my God, I would never spend $1,500 on a toilet. That's ridiculous. Um, but I imagine it's just going to be so much nicer than, <laughs> than like, you know, just cleaning it. And, you know, the first time I cleaned it, I, I literally had a meltdown moment. I was just like, this, this is not, it's too worthy. And I, you know, poured the bucket into our big bin where it goes and I spilt wee on my foot and I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> just, I just had a total like, this is not how it's supposed to look. This is not what I've been scrolling through on my phone <laughs> and watching other people do. Yeah. And look, you know, it's definitely improved and gotten a lot better and, and you know, all of that. But it's, you know, it's the reality. But it connects you, it really connects you to where things go and what, you know, we flick a switch and we've got no idea where the electricity comes from. You know, or you flush your toilet and you just never think about it. But somebody has to. And I feel like, you know, whilst composting toilets are not for everyone, um, just bringing some more awareness and mindfulness and consciousness to the acts and actions in your life, you know, when you can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So um, if I could get someone else to do it all of the time, yes, I would. Um, it's, you know, it's not nice. Um, uh, but it's, um, it's an important part of living this way, you know, it's a, it's a big job to have water on on hand and and to flush with clean water just feels a bit wrong and you know yeah 
And then on the other hand, uh, showering, you know, having a shower with rainwater outside, we've got this beautiful sort of Balinese style outside bathroom. And it's just, we're surrounded by eucalyptus trees. And so that's our experience every morning or, you know, at nighttime we're under the stars. It's just magnificent. I mean, I can barely shower indoors anymore. It just feels really weird being in like a, a plastic cube. <laughs> Only um, imagine. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and we're lucky that the weather is sort of lets us do that for most of the year, and you know, um, it's really good. But yeah, compost toilets are, you know, we're seven months in, and I still don't like it. <laughs> I, the actual doing all of it is fine. It's the cleaning bit that I don't, you know, yeah, I don't think anyone enjoys it. But yeah, <laughs> it's, re it's the reality. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's really good that being able to chat to you about it is yeah. like. Um, hearing the good and the bad yeah. instead of just like the good like because you I mean, can it watch did... you know documentaries and see only highlight reels yeah. you know on Instagram and wherever yeah. and, and look some of that is very reels. real right like there are real moments where we just feel like so connected to nature and just it's just incredible to be to be able to see it and watch it and and um, meet other people that live this way as well um, but having the compost toilet here we had it inside for a while and then we had a fan and that made it a little bit better and then we thought oh we'll move it outside into the the new bathroom area um, and that whole process kind of made me rethink a composting toilet on the bus um, it would definitely need to be a nature's head if I was going to do it mm. uh, because it's completely sealed and uh, you know it's there's no smells and it's just very easy to to get rid of and, and clean out um, or I wouldn't have one at all and we just use toilets where we were parked um, but yeah that's how much I hate it <laughs> <laughs> so now it's freed up all this amazing space on my second wheel well well I'm like oh what can we put there now um, <laughs> instead yeah and that's the thing as well everything evolved everything all the plans evolved you know I, I never had a solid floor plan for the bus we've never really had a solid plan for the shed conversion. It's just been a sort of, as we found the newest thing or put in, like we put in our first proper door last weekend and it was just like, oh, you know, we've got roller doors essentially. Um, and when it's nine degrees outside, it's too cold to pull them up in the morning. So we were in darkness. So that was like the next job. And so you just kind of go like that. It's sort of this evolution of, of, process especially when you reclaim a lot we did like the bus was 80 80 85 percent reclaimed materials that i collected over two or three years um the shed is very similar it's all sort of reclaimed timber that we find for free or uh, we pick up you know quite cheaply from op shops um which again you know is for me is the intention piece can you tell us a little bit about what the when you say the shed mm -hmm. what does that look like what is inside is yeah. that a, you know you said it's a permanent um structure yes yeah so it's a an eight meter by six meter shed with a double roller door um opening and now our glass sliding door on the side um we recently have running water indoors and a kitchen some kitchen sinks and um counter space that my husband built we've got a full massive size eight seater uh dining table six seater sorry dining table wow. sofa um, wood burning stove and then we've got this wall here is actually behind there is our bedroom so it's sort of split into two wow that's cool yeah yeah so it has everything that we need it's just not as beautiful as it will be <laughs> but it, you know it's like a little, little by little mm. and um, what's your dreams for your property like what's your intention for your yeah. property long term 
long term it's to we want to live on the other side so we've got two and a half acres which is split um probably about half acre and then the two or the other side by the dams and so this will be um either a holiday let or an airbnb along with the bus and some other tiny properties that we'll build on this area and we'll run self-sufficiency retreats um and also triathlon training retreats because my husband is triathlete and the coach mm. um and so we'll do that throughout the year, um, teach people about permaculture, teach people about living off grid, introduce them to tiny living, teach them how to make soap, skincare, sew, you know, just all of the things that we love doing or I love doing. <laughs> I don't, don't love uh, triathlon, but yeah. Um, and yeah, just essentially invite others to come and sort of see what it's like and introduce them to this way of living. Amy and I will be there with bells on. Oh, oh yeah. So- <laughs> Yeah, I'm coming up with my friend Sharon, who I was talking to last week, and she's like, that's all we just dream of. Like, mm-hmm. we're not working towards tiny living. Um, yeah. And I just, I'm so excited about it all. I think it's really important to show people what it's like because there's this idea as well in the tiny living community that you need huge acreage, that it's really expensive, that you have to have all this money beforehand. And and that's not true. I mean, two and a half acres is a lot. It's actually probably more than we really could manage. Um, it's a task to manage it. And um, you only need, you know, half an acre to an acre to produce enough food for two people for a year. I mean, really, there's no, you don't need a lot mm. of space if you're, if you're growing um, intentionally. Oh, I'm sorry, I have an itchy nose. And so, yeah, I think, I think I kind of like busting those myths as well. It's like, you don't need to have $600,000 in the bank. It, it's like, if you want to build a business, um, uh, that's completely you know off grid and, and can support that then you can live anywhere you want and the price drops dramatically so mm. um yeah i mean for me as well you know i promote debt-free living and uh it's really important that's a, a fundamental value of mine is, is yes, like sister. no debt yeah i reach it cannot do debt <laughs> um, i have debt at the moment but not very much <laughs> yeah and look i you know i just I fundamentally believe there is no difference between good debt and bad debt. It's just mm, that yeah. sort of hoodwinked into this idea that no, 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 it's really, you know. Yes, it's good debt. Yeah. I know. It's so hard. We had dreams of buying our first house for cash. Yeah. <laughs> that was not going to happen in Melbourne. No. <laughs> but um, I just can't wait for the day to be completely debt free. Yeah. I love the freedom that that brings. It's a really incredible, it, it frees up everything. Uh, you know, we don't have any bills, <clears throat> we don't have a mortgage it frees up absolutely everything that you're able to do and you can really turn on all your creativity and then decide how you want to show up in the world. And that I think for me was what I was craving all those years ago when I was looking for Mrs. P was this sense of meaning and purpose in my own life. And um, I knew that I was miserable and I still wasn't reaping any of the benefits I was supposed to be of from a, from a nine to five. It was like, Oh, well, I still can't afford my own home. I'm being priced out of my rent every year. Um, you know, my, my living expenses go up and my wages stay the same. And so it was really just, I was exhausted and really, Mm. really terrified of what was, what was going to happen if I didn't do something drastic. And, um, you know, tiny living isn't for everyone, but again, it's not necessarily about the tiny space, you know, tiny living might be moving from a five bedroom house down to a two bedroom, or, you know, there was a process for me. There was a process in exiting my um, day job as well into a business, right? There was like a soul sucking nine to five that was then a soul sucking or less soul sucking nine to three. It was five days to three days. It was then, you know, it was sort of doing VA work. 
at the beginning because I could work from home. Then it was, okay, social media, then social media to coaching and, you know, so on and so on. So it's always this ever evolving thing. Um, there's no destination where you go like, tick, I'm a minimalist or tick, <laughs> I'm, you know, living the dream. It, it's this evolution constantly. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's about deciding what you want versus what you think you have to fit into to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we're always saying to our clients and to our listeners and anybody who chooses to yeah. <laughs> pay attention to anything that we say is about being intentional and that your yeah. dream can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And you don't have to give into our culture that says, no, you need to live out in the suburbs in a multi McMansion and you have to have your 3.2 kids and you have to be working nine to five and you have to, you know, have this massive mortgage. Like you can, you are the designers of your own lives and you get to choose what it is that you want. And then you work about getting that just like you have. I mean, that's really hard to do and it's really hard for people to get their head around, I think. When, mm. when I'm coaching people, it's very much um, they're tied up in this, oh, I call it mainstream marketing. It's like this mm-hmm. idea of, uh, and particularly with women, it's this idea that we have to reach a certain thing and there are so many things <laughs> that we're supposed to be doing all at once in order to be successful or, you know, and uh, a lot of the first kind of few weeks, certainly the month of, of with clients is actually kind of unhooking from all of those ideas mm. and seeing which ones resonate and which ones are true and which ones aren't. Yeah. And, and almost like a permission slip to really just ignore mm. everything and like, look, you know, I use the permaculture principles in my coaching practice as a, as a framework to help people um, really design their life and business as a whole system and so it's like well my life's gonna look very different to somebody who has children for example or uh, I mean everyone's life looks different it's deciding you know do you want to take the fifth week off every month on a five-week month do you want to take December off every year do you want to work and live in flow with your own menstrual cycle and people are like what like you can do that I'm like it's your business it's your life Mm. you can do whatever you want but we're designed we've been so programmed into all these other ideas about what you know, like how much our worth is and, you know, what we're supposed to aim for. Like I never, ever aimed for six figures in my business because I knew that earning 60K a year living this way would feel like a million dollars. So that was never my first income goal. So instead of believing all of the like, well, there's something wrong with you or you have money blocks or you're not aiming high enough, which I did for a few years, I just switched it all off and was like, no, I'm not listening to that narrative. I'm going to go and try and find people who are doing things differently and see what language is they're using that resonates with what I want to do. And so I took a whole year off and just went and, and dove into researching like absolutely anyone that was doing business or life very, very intentionally. Um, and in a way that was very different to anything else I'd seen. And that's how I came up with the way that I, you know, and I just collected them. And so now when everyone says, Oh, I can't do that. I have to do this. I'm like, Oh, here are five people that don't. right yeah Yeah. here's all these friends of reference for people that don't see them in their daily interactions Mm. um and so i help people just quiet quiet all that noise online Um, i know and that's why i'm so glad that we're so glad that you're here talking to us because we you know we're always talking about minimalism and being Mm -hmm. a conscious consumer and um 
we just want to open up this space to different ways of living as well. Like we obviously, our heart is for people to be decluttered and have that freedom so that they can have the freedom to design their own life. And this may resonate with lots of people or it may resonate with one person and we'll be happy. Like you've resonated with us. So we're we're done. done. (laughs) Same for you guys. I mean, I like, I love, I think one of my favorite things to do is take concepts and put them in another place where they weren't necessarily Mm -hmm. originally meant for and sort of delve into that. So, um, you know, I, I do that all the time with the permaculture principles. I sort of, instead of gardening, which, you know, permaculture design is for everything. It's not just gardening, but that's mostly how people know it. It's like, okay, so how does this impact business or how can you be more intentional um, with your business decisions? Like how can you make ethical choices um, what platforms are available to you or how can you use platforms that are available in a, in a completely unique way? Um, and I'm always looking for that. Like I found a lady who's, who's on YouTube and she doesn't speak at all. What? No, no speaking. And her, her channel is thriving. And all you hear is like her tea being poured and her sewing machine as she sews and her writing. And that's, that's her videos. It's incredible. It's totally incredible. It's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always, always on the hunt for, for different ways to apply a particular philosophy or ethos or idea or, mm. you know, um, decluttering your mind, decluttering your values, decluttering your business. It's all the same principles, right? Yeah. Just you, you apply them differently. Yeah. Our vision statement is to transform the world through intentional living by equipping people to clear the clutter in their heads, hearts and homes. Yes. And it's exactly what you're saying. Exactly. Like that intentional living transforms into your head, your heart and your home. And those three things look different for different people and they're they're not equal parts of a pie. They're flex and yeah. 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 And I I mean, that's why I've been so excited to to speak with you guys because you're doing exactly the same thing. It's just your, your focus is slightly different. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, it's really important for people to understand it's not a checklist that you go through and then suddenly get like a little gold star at the end of it all that says you've decluttered or you're a minimalist. It's like an ongoing process too, right? And, yes. um, you know, like we, we have a very visible recycling bin in our kitchen because we can very easily get into that like, oh, wow, it's so easy for us to just go to the recycle center and chuck it away. But if you see it piling up, you know, I did when we were buying, when we first moved here, we were buying lots of um, soda water. It was so hot here. It was like 40 degrees and we didn't have a soda stream. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe we should get a soda stream. And my husband was a bit like, oh, I don't know if they're that good. And blah, blah, blah. so we sort of ummed and for a little bit. And I just let the soda bottles pile up and pile mm-hmm. up and pile up and pile up. And then we both looked at them and thought, well, that's ridiculous because they're single use. Now we have to dispose of them. And mm-hmm. they like, it, it just becomes quite, um, impactful when it, when you're visually it's there in front of you. Um, mm. and so, and we do those things all the time with little tiny things. We'll focus on something for a little while and then we'll clear that up and then we'll go on to something else and we'll just keep going back in a cycle to see, is there another way, is there a better way to do this system or process in our house? Um, yeah, it was, uh, even the other day, Simon said to me, I cannot believe how much plastic we use in our home because our you know the thing that we take back to Woolies of soft plastics gets filled up so quickly and he's like oh I'm so thankful that we do that yeah so that we can see it 
Like, yeah, and, and start and removing the, same, the things, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and even like we, I bought a worm farm a couple of years ago when Simon was a bit whatever about it, <laughs> and now he's all like, "Oh, <laughs> I am so glad that all of that compost is going into the worms, yeah. and yeah. that we can now see how much was." beforehand going into our normal bin yeah mm. I think even though it can go into the green bin but yeah. sure I think it's about really um putting yourself into the system rather than being in control of it that yes. shifts for people um when you're part of of a cycle rather than an external factor that just looks at this cycle happening which I feel and that's and I think that's part of the problem globally is is this disconnect complete mm. disconnection from how we consume to how it gets back to earth um and no one cares they think putting plain paper in a recycle bin is the right thing to do because that's what we've <laughs> trained people to do yeah. if you put it in the right colored lid on the bin then you good job but yeah, your there's responsibility, so many processes yeah yeah, yeah we, we just we shun our responsibility by doing the the simplest non-essential yes. though thing yes and look some of those decisions are harder right like um there is removing the item completely and that sometimes means going without and we're not really good at that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of opportunity while we're in isolation to realize we're consuming way more than we ever actually need. You know, we really don't need a lot uh, to thrive and it frees up a lot of space then to do other things. It's like, how do you honestly, like not everyone is having a great time at the moment. I, like I totally understand that. But for those of us that are in a position where we're maybe just bored like that's a really great opportunity to look mm. at what you can contribute and what you can do differently and how you might want to change something, something very, very small, but you know, um, it's just, it might be like reducing your plastic. It might be starting a business. It might be, you know, Neil and I, my, my husband are starting our skincare business, our natural skincare business. So we're going through the whole process of uh, intentionality with all of that from packaging through to the oils and where they come from. Like you can apply this to absolutely anything in your life. Um, and, and I think this is a really, really great time to do it, to start thinking mm. about these sorts of things. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've got a couple more questions that we yeah. need to ask you. Although we could just keep just chatting. Yeah. Yes. I honestly, awesome. I'm sure you're the same. I can talk to a blank wall until I lose my voice about this stuff. It's like, I don't need anyone in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you need to start a YouTube channel where you just chat away silently. No. Do you know, I, I keep threatening to do it. I even have a YouTube channel there with zero, th- like nothing on it. And I just get a little bit like, it's that, I mean, everyone's the same. Everyone gets a little bit frightened or scared about putting themselves out there. And that's like the next step for me. So I'm really comfortable with my list and writing to them. And it's a really lovely, warm audience, but it feels very big to go out onto <laughs> YouTube and, you know, yeah, talk my talk. <laughs> well, you would have people tuning into you because, you know, everybody loves that Scottish accent. It's the most calming <laughs> voice in the whole well, world, isn't it? Like that's oh, why maybe. people... Yeah, I think that's why um, they they say, like, if you want to advertise something, do it with a Scottish accent. Oh, wow. Because the Scottish accent is one of the most, like, warming and, like, endearing accents. Oh, I think I need to ham it up a bit more then. (laughs) Yeah, go on. (laughs) Speak speak to your mum a bit more regularly. (laughs) (laughs) So has there been anything that you have missed from big living, like, for lack of a better way of putting it? No. <laughs> um, I, so actually, that's not true. In, in the very, very beginning, we struggled to, for our own space. And so uh, working, both of us working from home at the same time from the same dining table, where we both take calls and have Zooms mm. and, you know, think client calls and things like that, that was quite tough. But we found a rhythm with that now. Um, I, I was shocked at how much alone time I actually needed to thrive which we weren't getting. So there's, you know, you sort of lose your privacy, I guess. Mm. Um, and it, well, you don't lose it. You just have to be a lot more intentional about it. So things that, that came quite naturally were suddenly things I had to actually carve time out for or ask for, or just be more intentional with like, this is this time for this. Mm. Um, yeah. But do I miss a big house to clean or somebody else's mortgage to pay or, you know, traffic? No. <laughs> None of that. No, it doesn't sound very appealing when you put it against two and a half acres with dams and we can hear yeah. the birds singing in the background. And yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like a huge fan. I would love to do tiny living in different ways. Like you know, yeah. in all the ways that you've spoken about, I, I would, I think that I would like to do yeah. and then I remember that I'm married and have two kids <laughs> and yeah. so I then go oh you know even this morning when I was in the shower thinking about um, our conversation today going oh well maybe when the kids move out of home like that will be you know when they've got their own lives that will be a nice time and then again I remember I'm married and <laughs> that Simon <laughs> I've often said to Simon like you know we've watched tiny homes and yeah like I'm like, you know, I love consuming all of that stuff as well. Um, and so I've like dreamt of a tiny living and then I could go, oh, Simon, wouldn't this be awesome? And he's like, no, <laughs> it would not Absolutely be. Absolutely not. <laughs> he is such an introvert and he really loves his yeah. own space. And yeah. he, the, the idea of even just living with me yeah. in a small space yeah. I think he's a, a, more like your husband like he's just like yeah like no 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 I need pretty things I need things yeah. I need space I need time away yeah. from you whereas and then I think you know how you, you know everybody does this 
they have this dream self of themselves. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. The dream this is who I am. <laughs> in, and then if it weren't for all these other things in my life, yes. I would be. Well, I have all these be. truth tellers in my family. I'd be yes. like. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I am a huge extrovert. So the idea of being in a tiny home with somebody who doesn't want to talk to me all day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, it's definitely, uh, things shifted when I met my husband because then it was suddenly like there was two of us and two people's lives joining. And so that was a completely different dream again. Mm. Um, I am much more comfortable in my own company um, and much need a lot more of my alone time than my husband does. Um, and, yeah, and, it, and but he's not, he, I'm more of a minimalist than he is. Yes. So there's like this real, and it's, I mean, I think that's any marriage, regardless of the space you're living in, but there is this compromise and, and you learn things about yourself that, you know, I think I probably hadn't nurtured the introvert in me. You know, I'm very extroverted, but I'm, I'm sort of halfway between an extrovert and an introvert, depending on where I am. And um, once I started nurturing that part of me, it was like, oh my God, yeah, this is what I need. And so I can, you know, he would travel for work, go down to Brisbane for two or three days at a time. And he'd be really worried about leaving me. I'm like, no, go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Nothing. It's just sing on the couch. Try it. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then of course we have so much space, not just here, but like when we take the dog for a walk, you know, there's just, I mean, I can take my dog for a walk for an hour and not even see a neighbor. So there's, there's, you know, there's so much space that, your outdoors becomes part of your daily life in a much more connected way than if you're living in the suburbs. So it's not your, your space becomes more than just the four walls you've, you've put yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that really does happen. Yeah. And that's why like, I, um, yes, I said that Simon was like your husband in the, in the more maximalist mm -hmm. style, mm -hmm. but he's more like you in needing space. Yeah. And then I also said that I'm a huge extrovert, but since having kids, I've realized that I'm an extrovert when I'm around people outside of my home. Yes. <laughs> and when I'm in my home, I'm actually an introvert and yeah. love my own space. <laughs> and, you know, we just, we became very unapologetic about what we needed. You yes. know, that was fundamental for this to be a success. Um, Neil will need a swimming pool to train in. Neil will need uh, a space to work out in. I will need my sewing space. I will need my own office. I, you know, like we'll need somewhere to make our skincare. These are all things that mm. they were tinier structures that we'll build, but we're not going to live our entire life in one four walled space. Um, for us, that's not, you know, tiny living, intentional living, it's about, or minimalism even, it's about the things that really matter to you. Mm. And so you can't thrive if you're trying to fit in a box that doesn't fit. So yes. why wouldn't you just live the way that makes you happy? Like choose the things that are really important to you. You know, when the bus was being built, I did my entire floor plan around my full size dining table because my dining table was where I worked from. It's where I sewed from. It's, it was the center of my universe, really my creative world. Uh, so I built everything around that and I didn't compromise on the space or the size of it. And so you have to do that with every area of your life. You know, mm. I walked around my, my house and I got conscious about how I used the space I was currently in, found out I really loved the light. You know, I was constantly moving into rooms where the light was in, in, during the day or moving where I sat. And so the bus hasn't got anything taller than the windows because I wanted all the light. It was so important. Yeah. Um, but until you do that, until you start getting conscious about how you currently use your space or how you currently look and view the world, 
you're not going to be able to create something that's yours. Mm. Sarah, when we first jumped on um, this meeting with you, before we sat, hit record, mm. you just said, you said something to the effect of, I'm just so happy. And yeah. I've just kind of been <laughs> thinking over, you know, as we've been talking, I'm not sure that Kirst or I have ever worked with a client who hasn't been happier with less. Yeah. Have you found that when you're doing your coaching and stuff that, that consumerism and items that are not necessary just detract from not only our intentional living but our general sense of happiness? Yeah, I think that's 100% the case and it, it spills out over past the physical things that we consume, um, the ideas that we consume, the content that we consume, the um, other people's values that we take on. Um, they're all clutter within us that once we stop consuming them or once we get a little bit more um, choosy about how we take in information or what we put inside. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been saying to me recently, wow, you know, you just look so great. And I'm, I'm literally just thrilled all the time. I'm living everything that I that I want and everything that I want is coming. And, and you know, I have so much choice because I've spent the last five years going from two crap choices to better crap choices to good choices to, you know, <laughs> sort of choose your way yeah. into better choices, right? And into more freedom. That's essentially what you do. Yeah. Um, and... And it is a journey and it does take time and it's not instant sort of overnight. But yes, I agree. I think the less, the less harmful things we consume and by harmful, I mean anything that goes against your values or anything that doesn't feel good, whether it's a physical product or an idea or, you know, a marketing strategy or whatever, we are not being our truest self. And so we can't be our happiest, I don't mm. think. I'm not sure if you can put this into just one thing, but what I'm going to ask it anyway, what has been the biggest revelation that you've had of yourself over the last five years? God, over the last five years, there's too many. Um. <laughs> okay, over the last month. <laughs> I started getting feedback from others in the outside world that what I have been sort of banging on about for a long time or even feeling before I could language it uh, which is essentially that if something's off that's true for you and mm. don't ignore it um, you know uh, it, uh, all you need to do is find language or any and even you don't sometimes you just need to say that's not right for me and and for me it was I was constantly seeking this I need to find what replaces it immediately um, without actually honoring the space of saying this doesn't feel right to me. And so I'm just going to stop, put that down, mm. not believe that thing anymore, even though I don't have a replacement for it. Um, and so that's been a big revelation over the last month or two is, is just knowing that that's absolutely the, the right place to start is to listen into that. Um, and so I spend a lot of time being very conscious. I meditate and I, I, I literally ask myself out loud, what, what's right in this moment or, or when I'm making decisions mm. about things, it's like tapping into that thing to know how it feels. Um, and without the clutter around you, Sarah, you have the space <laughs> and the freedom to do that. Like intentional living yeah. results in freedom. Yes, totally. From me not having a wallet or needing one to uh, I don't have a handbag. I don't like, I, I just don't have all the things that the, the sort of baggage, literal mm -hmm. and physical, you know, metaphorical as well. It's just like, I, I just don't need stuff. So I can leave my house and know that I'm perfectly safe and content and together 
without all of the things. Mm. Um, I'm not working a job that I absolutely hate to pay someone else's mortgage or, or my own. Um, it does just allow a huge amount of freedom, a huge amount of freedom. And, you know, with things like um, wardrobes, which people always ask me about, like, where do I start? And, and I always tell them, start with things that aren't emotionally charged. Mm. Like for, for a lot of women, that's their wardrobe, right? But there's so much joy in giving. Like when you go to, when you realize you have got more pens than you could ever write with, like give some away. <laughs> Why would you keep drawers full of stuff, you know? Um, and, and just this act of realizing that abundance is everywhere. Mm. You know, when you look at nature, for me, I look at trees and just think, well, that tree isn't jealous of that tree because it might have more leaves. Like everything just works. Everything is just enough of everything. Uh, and when, when you put yourself into that cycle and you start giving, you'll receive a lot more as well. So. so good, Sarah. Seriously, we could oh, spend I know, all day having conversations. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a one word. So the answer to this is just one word. Okay. Are you guys vegan? Okay, it's not oh, one word. Actually. All right, it's not one word. <laughs> uh, we're predominantly plant based. Yep. Uh, husband is doing much better than I. <laughs> uh, I still occasionally eat eggs. I'll never be fully vegan, and here's why: I use uh, beeswax and honey in my skincare products yep and uh i won't ever give up beeswax yep um because it's a better product and i source it's it magic. from magic it is magic and um any alternatives have had to go through a really harmful mm. petroleum-based factory process yep. in order to yep. be made so yeah so mostly uh, i would call myself an environmentalist first before anything yeah, and then beautiful. we're predominantly plant-based in terms of our diet this is how, this is my philosophy is that we are meant to work with nature and mm-hmm. not against mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so honey and beeswax, uh, like things that animals produce mm-hmm. can be given to us because we're yeah. meant to be working together yeah. and I to think, care for one another. Yeah. I think, you know, you, for me, that is absolutely the fundamental piece of uh, the way that I live and also the work that I do. So when I'm working with anyone about building a business, we look to nature constantly. Um, I use the permaculture principles to really delve into how can we look to nature for our answers? And they're always there, always. Um, Same with the way we live. I mean, I think there's just, um, there is nothing like putting your feet on the soil or, you know, showering outside or just connecting, going for walks more, being in the beach, just really connecting in with nature. I mean, we see kangaroos here every day and, and all the different birds that come from the different seasons and they eat different things and dragonflies and butterflies. And, you know, there was just so much that I just couldn't believe what we were seeing when we first moved here. Can uh, you please open up your Airbnb? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's one, of, it's one of my bestest lives in Frisian <laughs> Beach. So oh, we do get to go there a amazing. lot. I'm actually yeah. meant to be there today. Oh, I know, but thanks to ISO, I am not in Frisian Beach yeah. today. I am at home, but we love that part of the world. Yeah, it's stunning. It really is stunning. And I mean, one of the reasons that we moved here also, I mean, besides loving Noosa, that's where we got married as well. But um, we, uh, Queensland seems to have the most um, sort of progressive councils in terms of living off grid. Uh, and it's also a lot cheaper than Victoria. I mean, yep. by by six, seven, eight times. Oh, it's huge, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. I think, you know, be flexible is what I tell people. It's like, you know, you get to choose, but be flexible. I had no idea my life would look like this five years ago. I was sobbing about to swallow a whole bunch of pills. 
Mm. Like that's, I had no idea. I had no idea I could dream when I constantly like giggle with my husband because just like, do you remember when the bus was the biggest thing I could ever dream? You know, like it was the craziest idea I'd ever had. And I just thought that was it. Once I'd gotten that, I, for me, there was a switch that flicked and it was just like, well, now you can do anything. Like that's just possibilities are endless now. And I've never changed. Like that's just always been when, when it was on my driveway, I would just open my curtains and see it and just be like, oh yeah, yeah, you can manifest anything. When I went to America and it wasn't there, I just remembered her and, and it was just like, oh yeah, look what you did, you know? Sarah, are there any um, books, blogs, YouTube channels, shows, podcasts that you would recommend to other people wanting to go tiny? Um, I really love living big in a tiny house. That's one that I followed a lot Mm -hmm. um, on YouTube. Um, um, What else did I love? Exploring Alternatives is a lovely Canadian couple that uh again much more about intentional living but they do a lot of tiny tiny houses and tiny living as well yeah the main two that i watched as i was building and and just continue to to love um books did i read any books i don't think i did it's much more visual medium isn't it to talk about tiny living yes definitely. it's more instructional and um yeah you want to actually see practically how is this going to work yeah and look and and that's quite tough a lot of the times as well because every build is different and within the build you know I remember we were pulling up my floor in the bus and you would find the way the tools and the things to do it with for one panel and then suddenly those didn't work for the next one because something you had to use an angle grinder or Mm -hmm. so not only were all the tools new what was the process new everything was different there was no instruction manual for how to build the bus there was kind of an idea and a way to do it in the right order but every bus is absolutely different every tiny house is different and it should be because it's built around your own values Mm. and, and what matters to you and there's no right or wrong place to start you know like there's no um when people get stuck or they have so the number one question i'm asked about the bus still where am I going to park it? That's right. the number one question. Where are you going to park it? And so I say, well, I need to learn to drive it first. Right? For a start, <laughs> I don't know. But it's like asking, well, I need to have all the answers first before yeah. I can take that first step. And I've never known all of the answers. It's always just been, okay, so now I don't have any money for another month because I've got to save up. So what can I do that doesn't cost anything that will still get me moving towards this goal? Mm, that's great. My theme so, for this year has been the next right step. Yes, it's all we've got. Yeah. So I think you'll find that people that are more comfortable with that are, they have a higher risk aversion, uh, a lower risk aversion. Yeah. Um, but it is something that uh, I think can be taught or can be encouraged in others. And that's certainly what I hope to do as well with my work is to sort of, you don't need to know all the answers. Um, you know, there's that, that thing where they say, you know, getting, getting all your ducks in a row. But if you actually look to nature, ducklings don't get in a row until the mother moves. Awesome. So that doesn't actually happen. That's a fake thing. So, so you need to take action first before things start lining up. Yeah, um, it's a great I analogy. Had a, so. Yeah, I had a, um, uh, um, I can't even think, a uni lecturer say that to me once, not yeah. like the same type of analogy. He's like, yeah. you can't move a parked car. Yeah. You have to actually start moving yeah. And then the steering wheel comes into action, doesn't yes. it? So, yeah, yeah. and that has been, thank you, Costa. That has been <laughs> like a driving principle for me is to remember to keep moving and yeah. a, a moving, but it's the action yeah. that mm. lines things up. Yeah. I mean, and also as well, you know, there's the, the sort of 
there's people that will never take action. And so, and that's cool. They'll consume content. They'll think it's a great idea. They'll dream of doing it. They'll say how jealous they are of you, all that stuff. And that's totally fine. And then there's people that get a little bit sort of fearful that they don't have all the answers yet, but, but though, you know, they will eventually take action. And that's who I sort of urge, please just like set your intention. I, I was obsessed with the bus, obsessed. Like I, if you weren't talking to me about the bus, I didn't want to talk to you. If, yes. if I, I would talk to anyone that would listen. I interviewed a heap of friends and people and, and I just, w- I went nuts. I was, I talked about it every day. It was on my vision boards. It was, I went and literally physically sat on my driveway every night until it arrived. Uh, I marked it out. I got so good at knowing how long nine meters was and two and a half meters wide. And, like, I just <laughs> knew, I, I started to really understand space differently. Um, and yeah, like it just became my world before it ever, ever got on my driveway. Mm. And that's kind of what I encourage in other people. It's like, if you don't want it that much, that's fine. But that's, that's what you need. You yeah. really need to sort of be that sort of focused and, and, you know, and then things start flowing to you. Yeah. And that like is similar to what we say to people, like, uh, you know, people come into our course and they're like, right, how do we declutter? And we're like, no, set your vision first. Like, yeah. what is it that you're working towards? What is yeah. it that you want to achieve? And the same when we go into clients' homes, yes. you know, we can start decluttering, but we're like, but what's the purpose of this? Mm. Like, yeah. why, why, what is your purpose? What is Mrs. Yeah. P for you? Like, yeah. where is your vision? Like, what is, what is this room going to be used for? How yeah. do you want to feel in this room how do you want to act in this room yeah what's the flow of your home or what's the flow of whatever it is that you're trying to do and let's align what we're doing with that towards that yeah (laughs) because you can declutter and then the next day it's full again yes changed in there yes yeah Yeah. totally and you can declutter because there's some really awesome chicks that you listen to that say that you should declutter but if you don't actually want to declutter then you're going to continue (laughs) to consume and you're going to continue to be in this cycle you need to do it because you want to do it and because you can see the vision and the freedom that comes through yeah yeah definitely I think you know there's a lot there's a lot of um components in in that isn't it it's like it's not just for me, I don't consume a lot because I am careful about where I put my money. And I also, you know, I love buying um, from op shops and I really, you know, I, I love the idea that there's enough already. Um, and everything that I ever want or desire kind of turns up. And I feel it's like, because it's this lovely exchange of I'll never take more than I need. And everything I ever need is always there. It's like this lovely kind of exchange, the cycle that happens for me with everything. Um, but with the bus particularly, it was like mind-blowingly crazy how stuff had like arrived. And um, in the beginning when I didn't have a car, so I learned to drive. And then a whole year went by before I was in a car again. I just didn't drive after my test. I was too scared and I couldn't afford a car. And so, um, so I was collecting things physically like dragging pallets a kilometer from the local Bunnings to my house. And I would go around the streets near my house when I was walking my dog and I would find things and, and literally everything from a shower base to the kitchen sink to um, somebody, you know, and it would happen in a day. It would just be like, I'd clear out a a cupboard of of stuff that I didn't need. I'd donate it. And the next day, boom, kitchen sink, (laughs) you know, and it would be literally almost everything from the bus conversion was two streets away from my house at the time before I could drive. And then when I got a car, I'd find things that were further afield or, and everybody just was so happy to help. You know, I never, I didn't, I very rarely had any negative experiences about my bus. Um, 
Uh, and, you know, even one night I came in and uh, in my letterbox was a card from an autoglazer someone had put there. They'd seen a crack in my window. I never knew who did it. I never knew where the card came from. And that's where we got our glass. Wow. Yeah, nuts. Uh, nuts, 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 nuts. Yeah. Sarah, this is just such, I just can imagine in 12 months time, us retouching base and going, so how's, how's the vision coming along? Yeah. How's the bus going? How's the... Is it a shipping container or is it more of a shed that you're in? It's a shed at the moment. We do yep. plan on getting a shipping container. Yep. Um, I want a shipping container office with yeah. the, to make the soaps and everything. Um, yeah. And then, and then the big goal after that uh, is, is a tan, is actually buying a tan and having a self-sufficient, sustainable off-grid tan. Oh. Okay, so we'll come and live. There. We would, we would love there. you to, yeah, we would love you to come back <laughs> and just like this is a journey we want to um, track yeah, with. I'd love to, absolutely love to. It's been such fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, we just wanted before we finish, I did have, I've actually, I've got two things. I've yeah. got an iTunes review that we're going to read, but I actually can't find who it's from because it came via the Podbean. Um, app so I'm just going to read out the review and if this is you thank you for sending it so um, it just says so many different experiences for each family in the ISO series thank you ladies for taking the time to support others with your podcast easy especially when it hasn't been easy to do so so thank you to whoever you are that left that lovely review and we want to do a massive shout out actually to a new Patreon supporter this week, Fiona Webster. Thank you so much for coming and being part of our Patreon team. Um, if you want to become a Patreon with us, all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash the art of decluttering and you can support the podcast and help us get amazing people like Sarah and we can just share all the goodness that different people have with you. Sarah, thank you so much for being thank on our you. podcast. Can you just share with our listeners where they can find out more about you and yeah, the life you're living now? Um, you can go to my website, sarahtaylor.net, and uh, I write a fortnightly letter of intention to your email if you want to sign up for that as well. Um, and then, yep, everything is on my website. So it's the best place. Awesome. This has been so lovely. Oh, it's been amazing. We're going to, like, stop recording and keep talking. Okay. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's really just been a blast I love it's been a long time since I've talked specifically about Mrs P so and I'm really missing her at the moment it's it's uh yeah we're really looking forward to to going down and picking her up so good well we will see you all next week have an amazing week set an intention of what this week's going to look like and uh you never know what possibilities it will hold yay have a great week everyone bye bye Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.